This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Let's get things started this morning. Um, last Sunday, I spoke on the words God says. And what we were trying to get across is that we all have something to say. Everyone in our lives has something to say to us. But at the end of the day, the most important words that we can listen to are the words of the Lord. We all have people in our lives that have an opinion on everything about our world. And what they are are just opinions. But what God says in his word is not just an opinion. It's the truth of the word of the Lord. So what we need to be doing is we need to put a little bit more uh, stock in what God says than what anyone else says about our life. Amen. And last Sunday I, I talked about the antidote for insecurity. And I really think that the word of the Lord spoke to so many people last Sunday with this real life struggle of insecurity. Well, this morning I feel the same weight of the word of the Lord uh, that's going to help us in the topic of the antidote for fear. Everybody say fear one more time. Fear. So this morning we're talking about fear. We want to know what God says about it because, boy, do we ever know what we say about it. It's a real thing. It's something that we struggle with. And uh, that little funny video kind of shows one side of fear, an unexpected scare of a daddy. Uh, and it just kind of makes you jump out. But then there's all these other types that, that, that affect our lives as well. You know the top Five most common phobias. Some of you might be able to relate to some of these. Here's your top five most common phobias. Y'all ready for this? Number one. Spiders. Why did our mom start us out with the itty bitty spider? What's up the water spout? Why? Just starts things off bad with that creepy little fingernail walk up your back. Spiders, the top. It's so funny. People literally right now are leaning over to each other. Like, dude, stay focused. Stay focused. Back rub in the privacy of your own home, ladies and gentlemen. Not here in church. Spiders, your top rated Phobia. Number two, snakes. Anybody scared of some snakes? Yeah. Snakes. Spiders, number one. Snakes, number two. The third one is something that I deal with 24 hours a day and seven days a week the fear of heights. I get nervous stepping up on a curb. Get a little, whoa, need a guardrail on this curb. 
heights. Anybody else scared of heights? Come on, don't be so wimpy. Admit you're scared of heights. I'm really not, I'm, I'm being honest when I tell you, I'm really not that scared of heights. Uh, I've, never, I've never had a bad experience with heights. But I am noticing this little side note for y'all to kind of see if there's anybody that relates with me. I am noticing that the older I get, the more careful I am with heights. Boy, when I was a teenager, son, I'd crawl a telephone pole with these two hands. That's it. Now, it's like I need, a, I need a lift. I need a bucket truck or something just to go up about 10 feet. Just make sure I'm okay. Heights, they kind of get you the older you get. How about this one, number four? Some people feel this way. You're afraid of situations in which escaping is difficult. Kind of feel, kind of feel close. Kind of feel like you're in a tight kind of bind. Uh, you ever felt like that in certain conversations you can't escape out of? Little, little close talkers. You need to back up. <laughs> you can't escape from this one. Y'all with me? And then number five, your final top phobia before we kind of take our shift this morning. Number five, dogs. Anyone scared of dogs? If you're not scared of dogs, you hadn't just met the right, the right dog yet. That's your problem. I've got to tell this. I didn't plan on telling this in the first service. It just happened. And after I told it in the first service, I realized it's worth telling. About a month ago, month and a half ago or so, I pulled up to the church. Uh, I forget what day of the week it was, but I pulled up uh, early morning. I pulled in. I parked right over here on this side of the parking lot. I pulled in right in front of the door that I come and go from. And, man, I didn't, I didn't see that dog. And I parked my car, and I got out with a brand-new hot cup of $97 worth of Starbucks and a coffee cup about that big. And I, I closed my car, and I'm just in my own little world. I'm looking forward to a good day at work. And I come eyeball to eyeball with this dog. Now, problem is he was laying down, and I was eyeball to eyeball with this dog. He was the size of a quarter horse. At first, I thought it was a Shetland pony, but then I realized that's a Clydesdale laying down. And I come eyeball to eyeball with this dog, and I thought, he's got to be one of those gentle giants. He looks tender. He looks kind of sweet. So I'm thinking, look how cute. And I take about two steps, and that dude stood up, shook himself like a horse, Looked down upon my little, short little something self. And panic got a hold of me. And I turned into, I mean, I went into like sissy mode. I'm not too ashamed to admit it. I had no other response. I'm not the dog whisperer that some of you are. Some of y'all would have just went, and he would have cowered down. Me, I went, ah! And I threw $97 worth of Starbucks. And I'm just terrified. This dog staring me down. And then it, I realized I had my keys on my middle finger, the key ring. 
And when I let the coffee go, the keys went with it. Now the dog is drinking my $100 bill worth of coffee. And he's got my keys right at his big old feet. So I'm going into ninja mode. Kind of putting the trance on him. I got to get my keys. So I finally kind of got my keys. And y'all think the story's over. It's just starting. I got my keys and I'm like, okay, little fella, you got your coffee. You just settle down and let me get in. If I can just get in, I will bow up on you so bad from the other side of that door. If I can just get in. (laughs) Y'all been there. Y'all laughing because you know you've been there. I finally got them keys. I took one more step. The dude charged at me. Lunged at me. I'm up against the car, but I got the keys, right? So I'm up against the car, and I'm, I'm like, man, you better back off. You better back off. I'm going to do something. So I finally managed to get into my trunk, the golf clubs. So then I come out with an eight iron like, uh-huh. Now what you got? Now what you got? What you got? I live to tell it. That's how I roll. I'm the dog whisperer. As long as I got an eight iron in my hand. Everybody say fear. Phobias, man. Now I want I want you to kind of sit back for a little bit and I want you to go somewhere with me this morning. Because whether it be playing practical jokes like rah and scaring everybody out whether it be dogs or spiders or heights or snakes, fear of closed quarters and you can't escape. Everybody in this room has something that they're scared of. All of us do. We have those little weird fears. And yours might be different than mine. Mine might be different than yours. But there's something on a more serious note that I want to go to. Because obviously, this is not psych class 101 where we're just talking about fear of spiders and getting over that. I'm preaching to the body of Christ. I'm preaching to a room full of believers. But yet I also know that there's a form, there's a line of questions that even we, the family of God, we struggle with these questions, and they, they only bring with them fear. Fear rises within us with these types of questions, and here they are. They're the what-if questions. What if? Man, spiders, snakes, heights, dogs have nothing on the what if question. I need you to connect with me right here for a little while, okay? I'm going to set some of you, by the word of the Lord, we're going to set you free today from this trap of the enemy of the what if. What if? What if the doctor's report comes back and it says it's true? I'm dying of cancer. What if? 
What if this is the day that he files divorce on me? What if? What if I take the out-of-town job and we sell the house and we get the transfer and then it, it falls through in just three months and we've lost everything we've been working for? What if? What if all this work doesn't pay off for the promotion and it happens like it did last time? Somebody else gets it. What if? What if I start out on this new adventure of discipline and I drop the ball just three weeks in? What if I really throw away the cigarettes this time but yet... I go right back and buy more. What if? What if the blood report comes back and all of this dieting and exercise has not helped at all? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if we lose everything in the stock market? What if? What if we have to file bankruptcy? What if? What if she gets pregnant? What if? What if he doesn't? straighten out what if they fire him what if what if what if what if the medicine does not work and I can't get leveled out and we just keep this chaos in my life and our lives and everything crumbles what if what if what if the judge does not find us innocent what if What if this is the end times? What if? What if this is the end of the world as we know it? What if? And and I'm going on and on and on because it is an endless scenario of questions that are all birthed out of fear. You could be in your car at the red light. Your favorite song is playing, but you don't hear it because you've already drifted. You're already there. You're entertaining the what ifs. Your, your, your friend is next to you honking his horn because he had not seen you in a few weeks, but you have no idea he or she is there because you're gone. You're there in the what-if world. What if? There's two things I want to do this morning. The first one will take about two minutes, and then the next... The second thing will take the remaining of our time. First of all, before we get into the sermon portion of this thought, tackling this thing called fear, let us just reason with one another outside of theology. Let us just consider the truth of which we know from all the years living until now, whether you be 50 or 18, we know until now that we've had some what-ifs that really never happened. In other words, we worried over something for a week, a month, an hour. And most of the time, the big things we're worrying about never really happen anyway. Most of the time. You you understand what I'm saying? Joyce Meyer, one of the great Christian teachers, uh, she says it this way. Why worry? Worry is like making a down payment on a problem that you may never have. Isn't that good? Why worry? Why make a down payment on something that you may never even take possession of? 
You're worrying about something that you don't even have yet. It's all about tomorrow. Uh, I tell people that, 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 you know, one thing that we can't afford to do is we can't stress out of stuff that we don't even know is going to happen yet. But it's a what if. I mean, it's only fair. What ifs drives us crazy. What if? What if? So the first thing I want to say is, if nothing else helps you today from a biblical perspective, let's just remind each other, all of us that have been through a few what ifs in our life, even maybe a what if today, let's just remind ourselves that most of the time what we're worrying about never happens. So take a deep breath and maybe slow down the stress and the worry. But then we must be honest enough to deal with the second part, which will be the remaining of our time this morning. And that is, well, what if the worst thing possible actually does happen? Because it is a false doctrine that has made its way into a few people's lives, even under the umbrella of Christianity, to consider that just because you are born again and just because you are a devout Christian, that you're immune from the worst thing possible happening. You will be living in a very disappointed life of lie if you buy in and drink the Kool-Aid that bad things never happen to Christians. Guess what? Bad things happen to everybody. And just because you are a son and daughter of God doesn't mean that while you're in this dispensation called lifespan of time before either the catching away of the bride of Christ or the rapturing of the church or before you are deceased, guess what? It's going to rain on the just and the unjust. Good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. The difference maker is how are we going to respond to the bad things? So give me just a few minutes. I'm not going to hold you long, but you got to catch this. And if you're not on your A game today, if you're drifting, if you're in one of those what if type moments right now, you're going to miss the whole point. So you got to stay with me. Here we go. What if the worst thing possible happens? Look with me in Matthew 7. Matthew chapter number 7, and I want you to see verse number 24. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them. Boy, is this big. You must hear the word of the Lord, David, but then you must do the word of the Lord. He that which heareth these things of mine and doeth them. <laughs> You can hear the instructions of the Lord. Nobody's going to make you do them. And if you choose not to do them, you've just heard some real good information. And that's all it was, just real good information. But until you put it in drive, so to speak, or let's go, let's go a little bit deeper than that. When you hear these things of the Lord, your faith will increase. Because that's how faith is caught. Faith is is increased it comes to you by the hearing of the word and the word of the Lord now watch this when you hear that your faith is built up but then your faith must do something with what you're hearing you must activate it you must put it in drive 
You've been given a key to the car. Now you must start that dude and you must put it in drive if it's going to get you to where you're wanting to go. So he says, he that heareth these things and doeth them. So if you're not just a hearer of the word but a doer of the word, guess what you are? You're likened unto a wise man. You're just like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Look at verse 25. He built his house on the rock, but guess what happened to a wise man that built his house on the rock? Bible says the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon that house. The worst thing possible is happening. It's raining, it's flooding, it's storming. But look at what it says. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. My King James Version says, for it was founded upon a rock. Now back up to 24, his house, the wise man's house, was built upon a rock. I grew up in southwest Louisiana, as so many of you know, in a little town called DeRitter. But outside of DeRitter, Louisiana, was a little country town, a little stop in the road. Not that DeRitter wasn't country. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. But there was a little country town outside of my little town. And uh, I guess it was a little, little town. Uh, but it was named Sugar Town. Sugar Town, Louisiana. And I had a lifelong best friend of mine still to this day he grew up out in Sugartown and they had a little piece of land and we would go to church together every Sunday morning and back in those days similar to some of your histories uh, back in those days Sunday morning church wasn't good enough we had to come back for Sunday nights too we had to get a double blessing of Jesus so between the two services we would be somewhere doing something fun as teenage boys. Well, out in Sugartown, there was this creek that ran through the countryside called Anacoka Creek. And there was a bend in the creek that, that somehow or another, you were just introduced to it if you lived out there. You just somehow or another, somebody brought you there and you found what we called the gator hole. And that's not something made up off of TV. This was real stuff. It was called the gator hole. And there, the matter of fact, uh, uh, Justin, show, show this picture of the gator hole. And this is, this is the real gator hole. Uh, I, I emailed my friend. I, I, I take that back. We were text messaging. I text my friend, and I said, Alden, you remember that place we used to swim out at the, at the creek by your house? And boy, before I could get it out, you know, he was there. He was on it. I said, what was it called? He said, it was the gator hole. And I said, that's right, it was the gator hole. And he said, check your email inbox in a few minutes. He's a photographer. He took this picture. And, and I said, Alden, that's the real gator hole. He said, absolutely. We would swim here on Sunday afternoons. And this is where the story gets real good. Why y'all laughing? Y'all don't even know what I'm about to tell you. You already laughed. The gator hole 
It was known. It had this history about it, this mystery about it. It was the deepest, darkest, coldest creek that you could swim in as a kid in Borgar Parish. And there was a legend that there were just a few people that had ever touched bottom. Sandy, you're from Borgar Parish. I don't ever remember seeing you at the gator hole, but I know you're from there. The gator hole. But nobody knew who they were. Nobody knew where they lived to this day. But they survived going down in the gator hole. So us boys, we would take off, you know. We would swing out, we'd dive in, and we'd go down and we'd get a little chicken. Uh, we get a little chicken down, kind of like that dog coming at you in the parking lot. You kind of get a little chicken, you come back up, and they say, did you touch it, Tommy? Did you touch it? No, no, man, but it's dark down there in the gator hole. So we'd climb back up to the little wooden planks in the trees. We'd dive off in, and nobody would touch the bottom of the gator hole. But guys, one day, one of the legends showed up there at the gator hole, and I'll never forget this conversation. I was mesmerized by this man. And I said, is it true? Did you go to the bottom of the gator hole? Why, yes, I did. My Lord, what was it like down there at the bottom of the gator hole? And he just kind of stayed quiet. And I'm like, oh, that man can't even talk about it. It was so bad. He got messed up. He can't even put it into words. And I come back and hit him again. Come on, man, help us out. We're terrified of this gator hole. What was it like? Tell us you've been there. You've done that. Just teach us, oh, master of the gator hole. And, man, I was so disappointed when that dude said, it was just, you, you just go to the bottom. No, no, no. What you mean you just go to the bottom? This is the gator hole, bro. Stuff down there. In there. Gators down in there. He said, no. You just go down and touch the bottom. Okay, but what was at the bottom? Nothing. It was just the bottom. Well, what'd you do when you got to the bottom? Did you have to, like, have a knife with you? No. You just go down to the bottom. You touch the bottom and you come back up. No, it can't be that easy. It's a black hole. Rumor is there's fire on the other side of the gator hole. So deep. And Mary, the guy just said, absolutely not. No big deal. It's just the bottom. What I want somebody to catch this morning. You, you, could, you could flip that. People ready to go swimming, but they would go swimming in running pools. Check this out. Here's what you got to catch. No matter how dark, no matter how deep, no matter how terrible, no matter how awful, the worst what if question could be, if you have built your life on the rock, Christ Jesus, 
when you get to the worst night of your life, when you get to the worst possible experience that life could ever bring you, when he files for the divorce, when you file for the bankruptcy, when the CAT scan is not what you wanted it to read, when the car won't start and you're already on your way to the next interview, when the babysitter backs out and you're going to have to call in sick and you only have one day left, no matter how bad the what if might be, when you get to the bottom of the worst experience of your life, do you know what you find down there at the bottom? You find a faithful God that's going to send you right back up. He's going to send you right back up to the top. The bottom of any well-built structure is the key to the top. You'll never experience anything more than going down to the bare, bare minimum of what this life could afford and bring you. And when the faithfulness of God is like a sure foundation at the very bottom of your worst nightmare experience... After the three weeks of chemo or after the few weeks of being unemployed, after the, after the medicine that's not working and your, your mind's playing tricks on you, you can't think straight. When nothing seems to work at the very bottom of this thing called life is still the faithfulness of God that's going to bring you right back to the top and you'll be secure in Him. Let's clap our hands to Jesus Christ this morning. Stay with me. I want to give you three little things to write down. For all of you that are taking notes, you need to write these things down. These are three things for you to put into action. This is the word of the Lord teaching us this morning. Three things to put into action to drive fear right out of your life. Say this with me. As a child of God, fear will not live in my heart. Do you mean that? As a child of God, fear will not reside in your mind. Do you believe that? Then we must open the front door and drive it out. Talking about the antidote for fear. And what God says about this is a lot more important than what you feel. And what your, what your friends are telling you about fear. Don't let those what if questions stay any longer. Here we go. Number one, you must identify the specific fear that's linked to this what if question. We're going to talk about a car breaking down. All of us have had car troubles at some point, whether it's something minor like a battery not wanting to turn over or whether it be a a transmission going out. We've all had problems with cars. And it's, it's scary. Because in the world we live in, especially the location that we live in, you got to have transportation in the Metroplex if you're going to work. In the Metroplex, man, it's not, you just can't pretty much get around walking anywhere. And, and our transit system is good, but it's not as good as it needs to be in a city like this. Can I have an amen? So you need wheels. But if the car's not running, you're in a, you're in a pickle. So let's just talk about a car breaking down. What if 
The car's broken down and the repair bill is so expensive that I can't afford it. What if? So what we're going to do, this is just an example. We're going to identify what the fear is. This is like David identifying Goliath. It wasn't just an enemy. David sized him up. He took into account that that cat had him a sword, he had him a shield, he had him a helmet on, and he was big. He sized him up. You need to identify what the fear is. In our example, the fear would be a lack of transportation, which would be linked to finances because we can't afford to pay for it. So now we're linking it to provision. We're scared of being caught without enough. Are you tracking with me? That's what's scaring us. That we're going to be in a predicament that we don't have enough. Enough money to pay for the car that we need to get us to where we need to be going. We don't have enough. And we're scared about this. And we play out this idea of what if. Well, here is the next step. You've got to play it out to its fullest degree of the worst thing possible. So we're going to use these words. That would. What if that would. And we're going to play it out. Okay. If we can't afford to pay for this bill. Well, that would put us in a very tight spot. Because now I'm going to have to carpool. And now I'm going to have to call some co-workers and ask them if there's any way that I can help them on their gas. Maybe they could get me to work. Oh, but what about Junior? Uh, what about little Johnny and Sally? They got to get to school. Okay, so for these next few weeks, they're going to have to ride the bus. Or they're going to have to hop a ride with the neighbor down the street. Okay, if I can't afford this car bill, that would put me having to save $29 a week for this period of time. So where can I get my $29 savings from? Okay, so we're going to start eating some frozen pizzas on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And we're going to eat some, uh, we're going to have pickle sandwiches on Friday. What if, okay, that would... That would put me in a situation of probably getting home later than usual because we're going to have to swing by Susie's house and drop her off. And then we're going to have to go over here and then we have to go over there. So I probably need to have to call my mama and help get her to kind of help us watch the kids after they get home from t-ball or from soccer. You see what I'm doing? I'm not going to still be trapped in the what if. I'm going to let it play out in my mind. And I'm going to see it as bad as it could possibly be because I'm not done with my steps. Because here comes my trump card and my final point for you this morning. Because I'm going to follow up the what if question with that would be statement. And then I'm going to trump all of it and I'm going to say, but God will. What if... What if he files divorce this week? Well, that would probably put him having to get a new place. Come on, somebody. But that would put me and the kids in a real tight spot financially because he's the chief provider for our home. I'm probably going to have to go back to work. 
I'm probably going to have to change everything. I'm probably not going to be able to volunteer so much at the school this year because of this. And that would put me into that weird spot of single again. And that would do this and that would do that. But I'm not going to stay there because I'm going to come back with, but God, but God's going to put me in the right relationship with somebody that's going to hire me that's going to be making more money than that sorry sucker that just left me has ever made. And God will put me in a dynamic that I'm probably going to have a schedule that will allow me to still be involved at school with my kids. But God will see us through this. You know what you're doing with every statement? You're opening the front door and sending fear out. Because you got to remember what fear is. Fear is just like terror. A terrorist never shows his cards. He just wants you on edge about what could happen. A terrorist says you may not want to get on that plane because what could happen. A terrorist never says, oh, by the way, bus number 47 from stop number A, it has a bomb on it. A terrorist says we're probably going to be bombing a bus this week. So everybody stops getting on a bus, right? This is how the enemy wants it to affect you as a believer. He just says, what if... And it doesn't allow you to really know the details. So then you go into paranoid mode and you start wondering about all the possibilities. Why don't you just play it out in your mind to the worst thing possible? The rain's going to fall and the wind's going to blow. And everything is going to beat on this house. But my house is built on the rock Christ Jesus. And come hell and high water with every thunderstorm and every tornadic experience of my life. God's going to keep me. God will. I've got all these what ifs rolling around in my mind. It's making me lose sleep. It's making me worry. It's affecting my body physically. I'm not eating right anymore. I'm, 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 I'm miserable. I'm irritable. Whenever I live in the what if fear, now all of a sudden I'm, I'm very touchy. I'm sensitive. I'm irritable. I'm, I'm cranky all the time because I don't know what's going on tomorrow. I'm all worried about the what ifs. So why don't we as children of God just go ahead and say, well, that would... That would be awful. That would be miserable. That would be painful. That would be disappointing. That would be the worst day of my life. But in the worst day of my life, God is still going to let me hit bottom, and I'm going to come right back up. I'm going to go down, but I'm going to come right back up. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands to the Lord. Y'all come on. Help me. It's going to be dark. It's going to be dark down there in that old gator hole. It's going to be dark down there. It's going to be awful down there. But you know what this church has got? Y'all stay with me now. This church has got men and women all around this room that are like legends. Because they've been further down in that old hole called life than you and I have ever been to. And guess where they are on a Sunday morning? They're here after cancer, worshiping the Lord. They're here after divorce, worshiping the Lord. They're here after unemployment, worshiping the Lord. They're here after bankruptcy, worshiping the Lord. They've been down there, and they can tell you what's at the bottom. A faithful God is at the bottom of this thing called life. And He's here to lift you up, and He's here to keep you. He's here to get you through the next phase of however bad life can be. Nudge your neighbor real quick. Nudge him and say, it ain't too bad. It ain't too bad. God's bringing me through this. Right. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I want you to say this out loud before we sing this song. Say this out loud. Say this. Y'all ready? Say, because he lives. 
I can face tomorrow. Let's worship the Lord for a few minutes before we go home this morning. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear, all fear is gone. Because I. another night's sleep worried about tomorrow. You ought not lose another great dinner conversation with your spouse because you're caught up in the what ifs. Matter of fact, we're going to take our liberty and we're going to call it a new disease. You're suffering from the case of the what ifs. 
Well, there's medicine to take for the what ifs. It's the word of the Lord. So get you a good old dose of God's word inside your life and be set free from the what ifs. It'll kill you. The what ifs will kill you. And God's already paid the price that you can live free from fear. I want to pray over you and we're going to go home. Praise God. After I pray, I want us to sing that song one more time if y'all don't mind. Sing it like you believe it. We need to hear it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I state this prayer for every mind that is cluttered. And where there's a cluttered mind, there's cluttered speech. Cluttered minds make statements of doubt. Cluttered minds make statements of worry, concern. We evict fear out of our lives, God, and we move in faith. Let faith sit at the head of our table. Let faith be the president of our company. Let faith rule and reign. Let us not look to tomorrow as, oh God, but let us look to tomorrow as, but God will. Right now in the name of Jesus, let chains of fear be broken. And let men and women and family units walk out of this house of the Lord today full of faith. Looking into the future. Not as an endless bottom dark pit. But it's something that they honestly may not know what is unfolding tomorrow. But they know at the bottom of it all will be a firm foundation. They may have to hold their breath for a while. But they'll shoot right back up to the top to tell about it. I pray this in Jesus' name.